There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if we could become something more. So when they needed us, we could fight the battles that they never could. When millionaire industrialist Tony Stark, inventor extraordinaire, garbs himself in solar-charged steel mesh armor, he becomes the world's greatest human fighting machine. Stan Lee presents The Invincible Iron Man. In 2018, the Marvel Cinematic Universe turns 10 years old. Avengers Infinity War draws near. And in an attempt to make sense out of all that's happened up to this point, we find two intrepid individuals. Peter Melnick, local newspaper production associate and mild-mannered comic book and podcast enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson, morning radio announcer in Sullivan County, upstate New York, with an inordinate amount of catching up to do in his own comic book universe. Alone, they stand apart. Duh. But together... They are the Marvelists. Welcome, everyone, to the Marvelists, the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And first off, before we get into today's whole rigmarole, how can people get a hold of us? I'm glad I asked that. Go on Facebook.com slash The Marvelists. Give us a like on there. Eddie, you can find us on Twitter, right? Right. You can find us on Twitter at The Marvelists, myself, at Peter Melnick, yourself? At E. Wilson 959. You can also find us on Instagram. Eddie, I'm going to give you this one. At The Marvelous. There we go. You can also drop us an email. Questions, comments, critiques, strongly worded letters. The Marvelists at gmail.com. And you can also find us on iTunes. Rate, review, and subscribe. Share this show on social media whenever an episode drops. You can find us on SoundCloud, yada, yada, yada. But you can also find us on Stitcher Radio, available for all iOS and Android devices. How about a big thank you, if we don't forget already, now, later, whenever, to say all the likes that we've gotten up to this point, as of this recording, 500 and, how many did you say? 91. Not too shabby. Not at all. Thank you again. So, for all of you out there, major, major thank you from myself and from Eddie, Captain Ed Merica, or... What other incarnation you want to come up with for me? Edon Man? Eh, that, that was terrible. That was indeed terrible. That was. I tried. Oh. Was that wait. a try? Was it? Really? It was a terrible dismount. Okay. But, Eddie, uh, before, speaking. Okay. before we get into today, today's episode, we're going to be covering Iron Man 3 from 2013. And before we get into that, some big news happened over the weekend. Not really news per se, but a big event happened with Marvel. A lot of money happened to Marvel. A lot of money. $192 million. Actually, last I saw it was over two hundred and forty, I believe. Okay, then that was from right after the weekend, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, they're they're pumping it up. Black Panther actually just surpassed Star Wars: The Last Jedi, passed a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Kind of uh, happy to see this, and I went Thursday night to go see it for the uh, premiere screening. That's actually why our episode was late, but 
I digress. But I saw it. I liked it a lot. And I will just say now, in my overall rankings of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's a part of a four-way tie for the number one spot. I thought you re-ranked recently. Oh, we will not, be re- I thought you re- re-evaluated and you had posted already that you placed this movie at number four. Yes. You mean Black Panther? Yes. Yes. that's my. That was my revised list until I saw Iron Man 3 today, which will have an, a oh, newer no. update. Okay. But... The universe is getting too big for these rankings. It is. It is. There's multiple universes. So I think you really... I really have to jump in and say I think you really are holding back on your review of your uh, new favorite feline, the Pink Panther. I mean, I like Garfield. Oh, sorry. Wrong wrong animal. Well, he is pink in some parts, so... Oh, Okay. But yeah, so I got a real big kick out of this movie, had a great time, and it's got something that my other favorites in the Marvel Cinematic Universe have. I didn't want the movie to end. Oh, okay. So that's very strong praise coming from me, and I was actually supposed to see it again over the weekend. I was in New York City in Union Square, and I was going to go in with my movie pass card, you know, pay like, you know, essentially 30 cents to go see it with my nine ninety nine payment, whatever. Mm-hmm. I go in, and they say, oh, the one thirty screening is available. I go in, and on the board it says sold out. It says sold out until 8.30 at night. Okay, somebody gave you the wrong info. Movie pass did, unfortunately. Oh, oh okay. But a letter to the editor or something, I don't know. A strongly worded letter. You got dissed. But... Man, I got to tell you, that it bummed me out that I couldn't get to see it, but I will be seeing it again very soon. Yeah. And likewise, I'll, I did not make it for opening weekend, but this coming weekend, second weekend, should not be as difficult to, to get there and to get the ticket instead of getting dissed or better than getting served. I mean, honestly, you are in for a big treat with this movie. And do you do the uh, 3D movies for Marvel? Not usually. I remember doing one. It was okay. And... Now I have to back up and th- I think it might have been Thor Ragnarok actually. Usually the Marvel movies are good for 3D. Black Panther was okay in 3D. Mm-hmm. Wasn't, you know, mind-bendingly awesome, but it was a good movie to see in 3D. And I think the way they do with 3D now it's easier with those who have glasses to begin with. Yeah, they make like little uh, clips. Clips fits over. It's more comfortable but I'd prefer the regular. It's just amazing how when I first started looking at the showtimes, at least close to where we are, that there were more 3D offerings than, you know, regular, normal 2D. They want to make the money. And I, yeah, and it's what, three, three fifty more ticket for 3D? I believe so, yeah. And I mean, I, I understand, but, you know, that's that's the way the cookie crumbles, you know? A fortune cookie, as we will find out from fortune. the Mandarin. A fortune cookie. E- Yes, in America. <laughs> America. Mandarin reference number one. Count them all. Oh, boy. You people are going to get sick of this impression as soon as possible. <laughs> and unpeople, too. Exactly. But also going back to Black Panther, other things happened with the movie. Patty Jenkins, the director of Wonder Woman, congratulated Ryan Coogler about it, said, you know, you did a fantastic job. Will Smith recorded a message and gave it to the cast of Black Panther, congratulating them. This movie, I definitely am in agreement that it is a game changer for Marvel because we're going to see now, you know, more characters of color portrayed on the big screen, you know, being utilized. I'm going to call it. If it happens in Infinity War, we are going to lose Captain America. Okay. But we're going to gain Captain America. And you know exactly what I mean when I say that. Uh, Maybe I do, but I'm not going to speculate. We're going to be getting the Falcon. 
asked Captain America. Oh, 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 okay. Okay. Maybe that's the way the storyline in the movie can can go, whereas in the comic it became Bucky, I think, for a time. Who, yeah. Who, uh, besides him being a nomad, but took on the Captain America role for a time during the Brubaker run, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But also Sam Wilson became Captain America yes. in the most recent run. After Right, afterwards. I believe around the time of Secret War, question mark? The... 2015. Oh, the, the revised yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't mind, you know, we'll see what happens with this, but I think that's going to happen. And, man, you know, it's the one thing I've been seeing over and over again with people talking about it, that Blade was the first, you know, person of color to play a superhero in a movie. But, and not, then you, you but all, not a superhero, you said. Yeah, you always hear that. And I did discuss this on the show, didn't I? At some point. Yeah, earlier point, yep. Yeah, and I don't know, like, it just kept going back and forth over the weekend, that just, that recurring line of, Blade is a superhero. I'm like, no, he isn't. Because, again, superheroes don't kill. And, yes, I realize there are instances where a character like Thor kills, or so-and-so kills. At the end of the day, I I don't care. No, I think you, you have to, for lack of a better word or categorization, have to put Blade in some in some kind of parameter or definition. He's an anti-hero. He's like Wolverine. He's like Hitman. He's like Stone Cold Steve Austin. You but know. I think, but I think in terms of starting to initially break it down, to to start by saying Blade superhero, at least you got a, a framework to then decompose, to deconstruct, to break it down further. So at least you can start narrowing it down. And saying generically superhero, but it's actually more specifically anti-hero, etc. Correct. And then, you know, there was another bit of uh, news regarding Black Panther this weekend. And it was... Another cat, a kibbles and bit? Is it a cat thing? Yeah. Again? It was kind of fun to see. I think we both know what we're referring to now. I don't know. I have my eyes closed, so I'm not looking. <laughs> the So over the weekend, if you go on our uh, Twitter page, at The Marvelous, I ended up retweeting it with a little snark, uh, snarky comment about it, but at a mall, two kids decided they wanted to save money by going to see Black Panther and doing something... That works in, in a cartoon or in a TV commercial, perhaps. But, but doesn't work in real life. Absolutely not. It's a height thing, really, that becomes an issue. Oh, well, yeah, and just the uh, believability of it all. But basically what ended up happening was there were these two kids, they got a trench coat, one stood on the other's shoulders and did a tall man in a trench coat, or Vincent Adultman from BoJack Horseman, wore a, wore a hat, like a very fancy businessman hat, adult-looking hat. Of course. And tried to get tickets so they could go see Black Panther for the price of one. Yeah. It did not work, as you could tell. No. no but, but man, oh man, that was honestly one of the funniest visuals I've ever seen in a very, very, very long well, time. They really, really wanted to see it. I mean, you know, I, I still haven't seen I thought of that, too. What, going in a trench coat with another person? (laughs) Not like that. I knew that was going to happen. But a long, long time ago, when I was a wee lad and couldn't get into all rated movies... You dressed as a shrub and you pretended to sneak in as a bush. I wanted to see, because I was into sci-fi and the planets to some degree. I mean, I was, what, eight years old, I think, at the time. The Man Who Fell to Earth, the David Bowie movie. And as God is my witness, I still haven't seen it. I think that was out in like 1973. And I don't know, my parents, maybe I didn't bug my parents enough to, to possibly see it. But it sounded like it was, you know, 
sci-fi, uh, you know, had the planets, and I was good. I was up on that in early schooling, but never happened. There's my tangent. I digress. Let's come on back. Well, Eddie. Other news or not? There's actually no other news. I mean, there's going to be Lawrence Fishburne is going to be doing a Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur TV show. It's going to be animated. And of all places where it's going to go, the Disney Channel. Okay, well. Kind of interested in seeing what happens with that. Actually, let me check if that actually is. You know what? You know why you're checking that? You said about, of course, a more proliferation of films now that uh, Black Panther's done so well. And I thought of Lawrence Fishburne, which was mentioned previously in, in a subsequent, and I can't think of which movie it might be, or it's already a done deal, that Lawrence Fishburne will be a superhero. Right. He's going to be Goliath. Goliath, yes. Bill Foster character, yes. Although it wasn't, it was Black Goliath, I think was the title of the, the comic from the 70s, which only was, what, five issues, I believe. And real quick, uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur will be produced by Marvel Animation and Cinema Gypsy Productions, of which is founded by Lawrence Fishburne and Helen Shug- uh, Suglin. So, yeah. That was a quick find. Now you're good. Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm interested in seeing, like, now, if we get this, what other shows could we get as animated series? Oh, we're going to speculate on this now? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, right now, uh, the Spider-Man series is going to end again. Apparently, there's an X-Men series in the works. Okay. Well, that would be cool. A Deadpool animated series is coming to FX, and it's actually going to be done by Donald Glover, a.k.a. rapper Childish Gambino, <laughs> a.k.a. Lando Calrissian in Solo. Oh. So... It's, that's uh, that's on its way. The solo movie, that's and they showed a trailer for it before uh, Black, Black Panther. Panther. Oh, it was fan. I, I am still a little bit hesitant, but seeing it on the big screen kind of got me a little bit more hyped. Sure, absolutely. So, I think it looked uh, it looked good. We did see one also recently for that uh, for that movie, and I think yeah, it's going to be another home run. Do you think so? Home run like Rogue One. I think that was yeah. I think it was. They're they're expanding their universe also from the Star Wars episode numbered movies to now tell individual stories, and it seems to be working. But, Eddie, now one thing I want to know is, what is today's movie we're talking about again? Iron Man 3. From the year of our Lord, 2013. 2013. AD. Now, this is a very controversial movie. A lot of people love it. A lot of people hate it. Well, the first thing I want to say about it is it's told differently. It's told in a flashback form. And you don't get that all the time. Sometimes those could work or or not, but they have to remember to bring you back to tell you that it's something that happened. Somebody is is telling it in that style form. In that way it was it was good to have it done, you know, that way. And if I remember correctly, this was actually supposed to be Robert Downey Jr.'s swan song with the character of Iron Man. Initially, I think so, yes. Maybe, what, he only had a three-film deal, perhaps? It would have been five, because you count the Incredible Hulk. As being in in that cameo. Then you have Iron Man, Iron Man 2, that's three. Then you have Avengers, that's four. And then you have this. Okay. Do the math. So, 25. um, Wow. And divide. Oh, man. Oh, uh, man, Iron Man. Got yeah. it. Okay. See, I hadn't seen this movie since around 2013 when I first saw it in theaters or a second viewing on a home video release in 2014, maybe. 
Like it's been a while since I saw this movie, and I remember in like I recently did a ranking of uh, the movies, and this was somewhere in the middle for me. It wasn't like the best, it wasn't the worst, but I enjoyed it. And like when it first came out, I didn't rank it higher than Iron Man one. But I definitely ranked it higher than two. All right, that was the consensus. That's what I heard. It was definitely um, a step up better from Iron Man 2. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, there's elements of it where... Eddie, take it away. (laughs) Well, you know what? Here we go. It's 1999. This is where the flashback starts, and it's in Switzerland. And it's New Year's Eve. And As here, Eiffel 65's Blue Place. That's right. And where hopefully you get to know what the song is. Or you're like, hey, that's a song from it if it sinks in. And, you know, that kind of thing, which is cool. I thought that was a decent job of incorporating the whole sound of, you know, the 1990s, the late 90s. Even though that is a 1998 song, I want to say. No, um, no, 1999. You know what? That's fine. Because if it came out later than that, then we have a problem. Yeah. From, from a musical, if not other standpoint. Some people wouldn't even notice that, but, you know, we're here to do those kind of things as a public service for you. Uh, we meet Jensen briefly because he is brushed off by Tony Stark. And we had seen him in the cave of the initial Iron Man movie and got more information about him, but you didn't, you know, you saw who the character was and only saw him briefly again in 1999. We meet Aldrich Killian for the first time, who has a disability. He's walking with a cane. So besides having the long hair, the geeky type uh, glasses, and having almost protruding teeth with his insight into what he has, this think tank that he calls Advanced Idea Mechanics, or AIM. AOL Instant Messenger? No, no. I think it was before AOL was conceived as a an acronym for something. But AIM, ladies and germs, from the comic books that I believe we, we talked off podcast before how the character of MODOK was associated with AIM and to me immediately came to mind all those flunkies in their yellow hazmat suits with beehive mesh netting for, for face, quote, recognition. That's where the beginnings of AIM is what I came to know about. We also came to first see, not a love interest, it was a one-eyed interest in Maya Hansen, and her talking about the area of the brain that that governs repair and and the ficus that she has, and telling telling Happy, who's a long-haired, you know, hip dude, bodyguard. He literally is John Travolta in... Oh, yeah. He's John Travolta in Pulp Fiction with a goatee. Yeah, a bit of a goatee is right, and trying to be all that, and cool, and... uh, you know, snapping that little leaf off the ficus results in a, an explosion and generating, uh, regenerating that, uh, or creating a, a glitch, as she says, in, in the work that's been going on. You know what? It, and it seems that from that point to 13 years later, there's still a glitch, although they've evolved it into, you know, human, try, trying to uh, incorporate it into the human process. Now, now, I'll say this about this flashback scene. It's kind of funny how they did this in the sense that <laughs> they, d- they didn't do the the uh, digital de-aging. They, if they did, it wasn't that good. They didn't, you know... Like, it was more like just a parody of, you know, that many years ago, where you yeah. have Happy just over the top the way he is, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Change the hairstyle and a little bit of the clothing type of thing. Yeah, you don't get a vibe that it's actually in the 90s. Like, if you look at it, oh, this is like 2000-whatever. Yeah, I mean they set it up for you, so you kind of like have you have a focus as to okay, this is oh, this is ninety nine, yeah, yeah, sure. But if you're somebody you know walking off the street, you know, going into this movie, you know, like ten minutes late, and you're like, ah, oh, 
damn it, that popcorn was expensive. Uh, right. well, <laughs> oh, what the hell are they doing? Why is Happy got a goatee? What the, what the hell? <laughs> Where is this? Where's the Mandarin? Where's my wife? Where'd that come from? <laughs> well, our marriage. Oh, okay. But, yeah, it just se- it seems like a parody of what this would be, as opposed to all the other times when you have period pieces with Marvel, and they're accurate, they're very well done. I feel like this was an example of one that wasn't that well done for, like, a time period piece. They needed to just go back a little bit, and they didn't spend too much time there. It's significant to to get some foundation work as to what was to come, because then you're flashing forward 13 years to present day, they say, 2012, where Tony is in his Malibu, California, you know, ranch, mansion, whatever you want to call it, hanging on the cliff. It's a ranchin. That's exactly right. Not rancid, but... And is uh, what I'm going to call the implant sequence, because he... Pops something into his arm with a, with a, some kind of uh, you know ad, administering gun apparatus. Three spots in his arm. He is awake. Tony Stark is awake for almost seventy two hours now. Is it because he's developing new technology? No, because he's having recurring nightmares of what happened in New York. Hey, there's a segue. And his uh, his Mark Forty Two, his new way to suit up remotely, more so than what you saw after he was thrown out of Avengers or the Tony Stark building. From, from Loki throwing him out of the window from having that discussion in uh, in Avengers and the suit coming down to to catch him and incorporate him. Now we have his ability to command all parts of this of the suit. They all have thrusters in them, in different parts, hands and, and legs and torsos and everything. <laughs> There's a thruster in the torso? That's right, and you'll like it. <laughs> and we... <laughs> have established that now it's almost exactly 13 years later because it's Christmas time. And as we said, 1999 started off with being New Year's Eve. So. Speaking of 13 years, that's the type of humor I have at the moment. OMG, what am I doing now? Cut to the Mandarin. Mandarin. Because then Tony says, then I turned on the TV. And here is where our fan question is going to come from. Oh, yeah. So... One of the most controversial characters in this movie is Ben Kingsley's character, the Mandarin. One of or the most, or is tra- it just he is the most controversial? I would say the most, absolutely. Okay. And we ended up getting, you know, questions from people, and they were all essentially the same question. Oh, we just, they just didn't know it. There were different people asking the same. All right, go ahead. So I'm going with the best worded version, and this comes from on Twitter at Legend Cartboy, what are your thoughts on the Mandarin plot twist? Did you interpret that Marvel one-shot that mentioned the, quote, real Mandarin to be an apology of sorts to those who were disappointed in Marvel in Iron Man 3's handling of the character? Bloody hell, bloody hell. So, a lot of people complain about this version. Some call me a terrorist. Some call me I a terrorist. I call me a teacher. A teacher. Stop. But... <laughs> But you just get a you just get a water bottle spritz me every couple of seconds. Waste Oops. good water, come on. But but yeah, see, initially when I saw it, I was in the camp. I don't mind it. And these all these years later, five years later after watching this, again, I don't have a problem with it because, unfortunately, the Mandarin is a very how you say, really racist character in the original interpretation. In the original, inter- well. We're like with the Fu Manchu costume and everything and the ring. Well, not the rings. Rings are fine. But 
Yeah, I, I don't know. That was his look. Fine. Well, yeah. you know what? So what? That you know, you go to a, a Marvel comic book title like Shang Chi, Master of Kung Fu. Right. Yeah, All right. Use so Fu that's, Manchu. that's right. Exactly there. So I don't know that there's a slam on anything like that. My first exposure to the Mandarin was an Incredible Hulk reprint title, Marvel Superheroes in the seventies. Probably one of my first Marvel comic books in the uh, in the seventies. So and I and I first saw that the Mandarin was a foe of the Hulk. But foe F A U X. Yeah, after yeah, UX, UXX, an adversary, an enemy, a teacher, a terrorist <laughs> <sighs> of the Hulk. Ten rings hath the Mandarin, and that's when they did the comic books where the title on the comic book cover was exactly the title on the front page of the, the story when you first read it. Just saying, and that's how it started. So each ring would have a different kind of a power, whether it be a ray of some sort or a gas that would get released. Poopy gas. I knew he was going there again. 13 and in camp. Where is a CIT when you need one? Q, Bill Murray, and Meatballs. Okay, fine. Bill Maher, actually, there we go. There's a segue because we get introduced to, well, President Ellis as, as of course, the leader of the free world. And uh, we get introduced to James Rhodes as the Iron Patriot, who uh, Bill Maher, on his, you know, making an appearance as himself, calls it a war machine rebrand. And Joan Rivers says it's war machine with a paint job. So they're incorporating, you know, they're trying to make this quote unquote real by having these, you know, real celebrities who are playing themselves and had their own shows bring it in, just like in another Iron Man movie with Bill O'Reilly, who had at some points uh, on one of his broadcasts saying, who is this Pepper Potts? What credentials does she have? She's taken over as CEO of Stark Industries. Okay, so another tangent, but not quite reference to that. Let me stop right there, because then it's going to come down to uh, an attack of some kind. And I'm not reading my handwriting correctly. Attack of the show. Yeah, exactly. Now, he has an anxiety attack because at a at a bar, restaurant, outdoor uh, eatery, Tony Stark and Jim Rhodes are having lunch, and somebody asks him for an autograph. And with the crayon, he, he breaks the crayon and subsequently is having an anxiety attack, has to get into the Iron Man suit outside as if it was a steed or a parked car so that he can check his vitals and make sure he's okay. Now, I don't know. I mean, this, this side story... I was fine with because it, you know, it shows the weakness of the character and it shows the effects of everything of the Avengers. You know, it, it ties that plot into it. That whole know? wormhole thing. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, just going back quick, I initially from seeing how the Mandarin was portrayed, yes, I was disappointed in it and saying, where is he? Where, you know, this is a fake. You know, I was expecting something more out of it. With another subsequent showing, yeah, I kind of went, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm down with it. I'm going along with it. Fine. And with the, you know, Marvel one-shot Hail to the King, which you can see on the digital release of Thor The Dark World and the Blu-ray release of Thor The Dark World, eh, I didn't mind it. I thought, you know, as a passable short, it worked. And again, I like Ben Kingsley's character in this. Oh, yeah. For some reason, it's just like an over-the-top character that works. And I'm I'm a fan of the whole... Mandarin persona that he has with the you may call me a fortune cookie. Oh, jeez. Okay. So I dig that. I think, do I understand why people are upset about that? Yeah. Because of comic continuity, yada, yada, yada. You want to have it be as accurate to the source material as possible, but the thing is this. These are Big all Big orange, rocky, and a clobbering time. Well, these are all different versions of these characters. Like, 
the universes don't stay the same in the comics either. No, and by now we should be kind of used to taking liberties and yeah. straying from the true character form. But you know, of course you'll you know you you, you got to vent and uh, say, hey, you know, this really isn't uh, what it was portrayed set out to be originally. So my go-to reason for that is has been to make it more palatable to a wider audience and understand, accept without it being too wackadoo out there kind of thing. Wacky. Be that as it may. Wacky racers. Wacky with a WH. Ah. If you must. Ah. Uh. Uh. Lurch. <laughs> wow. You rang. It's a bad lurch. I did not expect a Adam Sandler lunch. reference. No, that's okay. And now we got the monsters. Darn, darn, darn. <laughs> anyway. Wow. Okay. Anything can happen. And sometimes does. Mostly. Usually. You're going to regret this in five, four, three. Come on! <laughs> Segway. The little thing that they write in Paul yes, Blart Mall exactly. Cup. Paul Blart Mall Cup. Two, even. Paul Blarsh in the Martian. <laughs> but yeah, so... Well, we get to see Happy now, who's ahead of security, and a 300% complaint rise in uh, the way the staff is behaving, because they're not wearing the badge and a badge. We get to see uh, Adrian Aldrich Killian, rather, looking a lot better, re- remodeled, teched up, perhaps, for the new millennium, and the introduction of this extremis thing. Which, by the way, is created by comic writer Warren Ellis. And yes. if you've ever read the storyline, it is one of the best Iron Man stories. I cannot recommend it enough. I haven't read it in years, but what I remember reading, I absolutely adored. Yeah, I believe when they did come out with that run, and it's still part of what I need to catch up with, but I believe it became um, a multi-issue, maybe four, maybe six issues. And on the front covers would say Extremis Part 2, 3, etc., all the way as far as that as that went. Artwork was great on the cover, from what I'd seen. It's interesting, though, because Iron Man is a character who who has had, you know, about 50 years' worth of stories, and yet he only really has a handful of memorable ones when you think about it. I you guess. Know? I mean, like, you know, in the early days, I don't know how many memorable, you know, except for establishing villains, let's say, for them to come up against. And I don't recall how, in the early days of the 60s, how continuous you... You know, the comic book artists, artists, authors, writers would need or want to continue a story, you know, or just make it self-contained. Like, off the top of my head right now, the most memorable Iron Man stories are Demon in a Bottle, Armor Wars 1 and 2, Extremis, and maybe the Matt Fraction run on Invincible. Okay. That's really about it. Yeah. The other stuff that you get into like that would be the crossover material, where... Whether it was a, uh, I, I'm just defaulting to Project Pegasus, but I think that was more confined to uh, Marvel 2 and 1 with the thing. But there there would be after effects of, of certain conflicts, which would be at the top of the comic book cover itself on a couple of different titles and so on. So there might be some crossing. Maybe that's where that Don't really cross the streams. Don't cross the streams. It's not a good thing. Right. But what was speaking of crossing? What was funny was happy was Happy's line in his conversation to Tony because he hasn't seen him for a while around Stark Industries and so on. He says, "You're off with the Super Friends." Yeah, and I mean, it's I like stuff like that because it acknowledges, oh, a DC universe does exist in here, and they're a TV show in a cartoony kind of way. I kind of dig that. I think so, it's you know, it's well, a, it probably was a dig, so you got it. Oh yeah, right on, right on, right on, mm-hmm. right, right, left. Up, that's, up, down, that's, down. That's a conflict. Okay. Left, right, left, right, BA, select, yeah. start. Yeah. And we got 99 lives. It's better than 99 red balloons, maybe. I don't know. Hey, Nana. 
1984. Anyway. Cut to the explosion at the Grumman's Chinese Theater, and then the Mandarin takes credit for that, and Happy gets hospitalized. Okay. Happy hospitalized Hogan. And that's about what I wrote, too. The original Triple H. And finally, Tony, you know, we see Tony who pays him a visit, and, and then he, that provokes him to issue the challenge, whether he's just fueled by emotion, being so upset as what happened to his good friend, and he just gives out, here's my address, 10880 Malibu Point, 90265. Hello? He just, you know, called all the media to come to your house, and then a couple of missiles shot out of a couple of helicopters. Yeah. And, you know... Again, it, it's kind of cool because this is, nothing's going to stay the same by the end of this movie. No. You know? And I like that because what we're getting with him is that, you know, we're getting, he's no longer going to be here in this, you know, the Malibu home anymore. He's going to be going off doing his own thing elsewhere. And I feel that was the intention of this movie. It was supposed to be a big change with everything. Everything was going to be a fresh start. Yeah, yeah, well, when your house gets demolished, I guess you have no choice but to uh, to do that. And I mean, I think it was... Let me ask you, because I want to fast forward a little bit to the after post credit scene. Whoa, where, you're fast forwarding all the way. Well, <laughs> yeah, but going back with the whole, you know, is this going to be his last time? We see at the end, Tony Stark will return. Just like that. That is exactly the last thing I wrote. What we after don't the, after the because apparently the whole flashback was a psychiatry session supposedly with Doctor Banner. Why? But that's not his kind of work. He's not that kind of doctor. Anyway. But Eddie, why is it Tony Stark will return and not Iron Man? Correct. Why is it Tony Stark will return? Yes. This is going back to that belief that this was supposed to be his final role as Iron Man. Yada yada yada. Do you think that there was a change at the end that this was supposed to be the final Iron Man movie with the character dying? Even. I don't know that they would have done that i don't think they because this was honesty should have or could have it would be it would be uproarious it was at the end of his contract so doesn't mean you kill the character off yeah but what are you supposed to do with a character that's just you know sitting there then on the sidelines you're not ref you're not maybe you reference the character or but a character that important well then you don't kill him off so I mean, it becomes a, a, a you know a two-edged or a, a vicious cycle, circle even. But I did catch on my second viewing, or in preparation for this podcast, yes, Tony Stark will return. Hey, that just struck me as odd. Would he have returned in in Avengers: Age of Ultron, but just as Tony Stark, no Iron Man? I don't know. Maybe a foreshadowing, or in a consulting kind of way, as he was told, you know, doesn't get along well with others, narcissistic. Or that could whatever. have been interesting. Yep. Like, he could have been their man in the chair. Yeah, and not to the director's chair either, but, uh, no, yeah. But, I don't know. I mean, I I think overall that was, you know, an interesting decision. But, and, you know, as we're actually recording this, Eddie has playing in the background Iron Man 3, and we're currently up to the big reveal where the Mandarin is actually an actor. And yeah, so just giving a little play-by-play of what's going on in Marvel I'm Manor. Trevor, right Trevor Slattery, I'm an actor. Yeah, and yeah, I think don't go in there for twenty minutes. <laughs> it was an interesting take with that twist by doing that because it's not the best twist I've ever seen in a Marvel movie, and 
I think we might be both in agreement with this, Eddie. Yeah. The best twi- the best twist in Marvel Cinematic Universe's history was Spider-Man Homecoming with the Vulture, revealing that he's Liz's father. Huh. Because that legit caught people off guard. Yeah. To the point where I'm in the theater and we heard holy shit from people in the crowd. People watching <laughs> legit let that out. And I'm like, and yeah. That's what Peter Parker, the newest Peter Parker Spider Man, said a direct quote in Civil War. Holy shit. Exactly, yes. Yes. Very good. I'm personally I'm a big fan of that scene because again, that like it's interesting. Like going over to Captain America Civil War, the Spider Man scenes are the ones I watch the most out of that movie. So and they always hold up to me. Uh-huh. Cool beans on that. I, that's a, a rewatch waiting to happen for me to uh, get it more fresh in my brain. I believe oh, that's that. going to be next month or the month after. Oh, it's a little ways off, I think, still. Yeah, I think that's April. Okay. So yeah. that'll be... A, we have a few more to get to. Oh, we sure do. Believe me, we sure <laughs> to, do. To that. Yes, exactly. We're still only on phase two right We're now. We're beginning is, of phase two. This is the very start of phase two. Beginning of phase two is Iron Man 3. Can you follow the numbers? Connect nope. the dots. Yes. Mm-hmm. Connect the dots. I mean, I'll do the maze. Color within the lines, please. What kind of activity book uh, things will we be going with next? Can we do a word search? Oh, I love those. Those are great. Yeah. <laughs> Better than crosswords for me. It's my game. Okay. Well, look, <laughs> we continue along here. And what's cool is not only has Tony been able to get the armor to be remotely commandable, different you know pieces, but he's now able to send it to go on to Pepper to prevent her from injury as his house is being literally bombed. That's one of the falling things, apart around him. That's one of the things I noticed with the character that, you know, he's always pegged as this over-the-top egomaniacal character. And when he has people he cares about, he does anything he can to save them yeah, and take no care question. of them. Right, right. And that's, you know, one of the biggest strengths that lies in the Tony Stark character. Yes, he's got an ego. Yes, he knows he's something. He's great. But he does care about others around him. Another big strength on that note is when this suit that gets back onto Tony now takes him down under the water, under the sea, if you will, or if you won't, and somewhat buried under some house rubble. The suit is not not flight ready. But, But Jarvis says, take a deep breath. One glove or gauntlet comes off turns around and pulls him out. There's a strength we didn't know about. So they're like, way cool, because it can't end here. Junior, yes. Rat, we thank you for that song once again. I'll just keep beating that dead horse of a song. Fortuneless cookie. Japan. Japan, okay. We bring in another union. Okay, another nation heard from. But yeah, uh, I, I think that element of, you know, just also the... Upgrades in his tech with the whole, you know, that it can fly around and do this, that, the other thing. It's it's cool to see the evolution of the costume and what it can do because we don't know everything that this thing can do because that's the beauty of imagination as a writer. You can create all these different elements and make these possibilities endless. And it's got almost an endless amount of suits that we see later in, in Iron Man 3. At the moment, or in the beginning when Tony's telling the flashback story, there are his suits in glass cases, and they're being destroyed. They're being they're blowing up one by one. Kaflui. But we see that Kaflui even kapow. Do you have any particular favorites of the costumes? Uh, maybe in the comics I did, 
and one may have had to do with a triangular chest piece, chest plate, but I think that was more of a space-ready one. Uh, there was also a time where instead of the traditional crimson and gold, instead of saying red and yellow, my high school colors, by the way, thank you. Your high school is Hulk Hogan? Not to my high school. Did I say Hulk? Yeah, but it was Hulk Hogan, red and yellow, brother. Oh, that's true. What you going to do when these 24-inch pythons get a hold of you? My high school colors, crimson and gold, yes. I'm surprised Eddie dropped a second wrestling reference on this series. Dig it! Oh, now we got a third one. Ooh, macho man, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. That he changed at some point in the comics in the uh, 80s, I'm going to say, to a red and silver incarnation. Correct, and that was, I believe, the road run. Roadie. Roadie, okay, yeah. I was thinking, meep, meep, road runner. Meep, meep. Yeah. Coyotes after you. America. America. Back to the Mandarin. The Mandarin. I'll see you soon. The Mandolin. I'm playing. Listen to the Mandolin Rain. (laughs) Bruce Hornsby, anyone? (laughs) This is the second Bruce Hornsby reference you've made today. Wow. We're going to have to rate these podcasts. Oh, no, let's not. No, no, we can't do that. (laughs) I'll never get out of the number system. Anyway. Next stop, Rose Hill, Tennessee, where Jarvis had a pre-flight pattern because now that he's got his suit, power, flight restored, it takes him there. And Jarvis has kind of a breakdown and has he has to go to sleep. So I don't know how heavy this armor is that Tony has to now pull through the snow from flying from his Malibu, California, all the way out to Rose Hill, Tennessee. But at least we've got a wooden Indian statue that he can get a cape, not a cape, but a, a some kind of a blanket off of. A poncho. And there you see in 2012 in Rose Hill, Tennessee, a phone booth. When have you seen a phone booth last? An antique store, maybe. I might have. Well, I saw a the phone. age of cells. A, a payphone. Does that count? Not well, really. Payphone, sort of, but a phone booth. Yeah. Who's gonna become a superhero? That's right. Who wants to be? Excelsior. Wow. That's a show I haven't heard in a long, long time. Who wants to be a superhero? Featuring yeah. the late pro wrestler Balls Mahoney randomly appearing on there for no reason. Hell of a show. And a Texaco station. So gay for the Texaco. Hooray, Texaco. That's exactly right. The kid. Harley. Now, one thing about this kid, it was definitely a very good chemistry between the two characters, yep. Tony and the kid's name again? Harley. Tony and Harley had excellent cast chemistry between each other. And I think it's really funny that it's currently rumored the kid who played him is going to reprise his role in one of the upcoming Avengers movies. We don't know what's going on. Now, Let's fast forward a little to the ending. I want to do some speculation with you. If you remember at the very end, Tony donates to him this whole science lab and everything for his house. Oh, in the garage, yeah. He's got everything souped. He's fixed the Mustang. He's, yeah, the the, uh, advanced potato gun, the the Mark II. I want to know. It's been speculated with Avengers Infinity War or Avengers 4 that this might be the end of Tony Stark. Okay. Tony Stark might die in one of the future films. And if that is, in fact, the case, do you see this kid taking the mantle of Iron Man? Yeah, why not? You set it up like that? I think it could be a natural progression. If the worst happens, and I don't want it to. Neither do I. But, you know, the character's got to live, continue, I think, still be a part of the universe. So this would be another, and maybe... I don't so it's know if be... you still call it the same character name. Iron Man Jr. No, I don't know. 
Like James Bond Jr.? Like way cool Jr., okay? And there you go. All right. I'm surprised you went with the reference, Eddie. If you can't beat him. <laughs> Hulk smash. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. Get it out of the room. But anyway, I think it's going to be a male version of Ironheart. Calling it now. Because stay tuned. We don't know what's going to happen with Phase Four. We don't know what's going to lead the the future of Marvel. Some people are speculating that it might be Black Panther that leads the future of Marvel. Oh my! And if that's the case, think pink and black. That was a pink good combo. Let me tell you what. Hey, it works for Brett the Hitman Heart. It's good fashion sense for some. I use pink earbuds. Now you know. So, in case you were wondering. Were you people wondering? No. Tweet at us. <laughs> wow. But. Call the boat. I don't know. I mean, I think if they do this, it's going to be an interesting take, you know, just adapting this character because. We're connected. We are. And I love that. I love that, you know, it's a character that we really didn't pay much attention to. Just a one. And, we, we think it's going to be a one and done character. And if that's the case, awesome. You know, they're going to build a franchise potentially around a small character that you know no one even paid attention to. Yeah, yeah, that's quite possible. But we'll have to wait and see. I mean, I mean, think about it. It's going to be a point where Spider-Man is more accustomed to being a hero than Iron Man if this is the case then. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind I'm calling it. Yes, you are. The Spider-Man Homecoming sequel is going to be about Peter Parker training this new kid roles reverse from Homecoming Ro- 1. Yeah, well, if that's the way it's going to go. In one alternate universe, mm-hmm. I'm thinking that's going to happen. Okay, what if? Mm-hmm, maybe. Now, overall, Eddie, what did you think of that character? The kid? Yeah. Relatable, um, especially if it's somebody who unfortunately comes from a broken home. I'm calling it broken because there's no uh, traditional two parental unit people, you know, in his life. Because yeah, dad is MIA. He went to go. What did he? What did he say? He went to go get something a couple of years ago. He didn't come back. Scratch offs, I, I suppose. Lottery tickets. That's the classic thing. I yeah, my dad went to go get a pack of cigarettes. Never came home. Yeah, that's it. So. I think the kid did well. I and I forget he's been in a, a couple of other of other things that are these uh, recognizable. And you see that later too with you like, oh wait, that was so and so in in this, and you make those connections in in general. But another thing that, that I saw had come up not too long after we get into the kid sequence, and you know the whole thing about being connected is when you get to the next broadcast of of the Mandarin, which I think is the third one, and you're introduced to an accountant for the Roxon Oil Company which I think had come into being named once before, and I can't pinpoint where it might have been. I don't think it was something that you saw the name Roxxon. I think it was Iron Man 2. Then that could be it, right? Then I'm then I'm thinking of Shades of Roxxon. But definitely something in the comic book itself, in the Iron Man comic book. Is Roxxon supposed to be the Marvel Universe version of Exxon? Probably. Uh, well, only because of the two X's maybe in it, perhaps, but... That would be their major oil. And not only in Iron Man, but I think it's been in other. Yeah, Marvel. A lot of Marvel stuff. Yeah. Yeah. To have some industrial connection when when needed. So, yeah, that that comes in as well. 
the the disheartening part was the uh, supposed, as you you didn't blatantly see it, execution of this said accountant for Roxon, where in 30 seconds, if the president didn't call the Mandarin, then he would die. Well, the Mandarin lied, at least on the TV broadcast. Bang, I will shoot the man. Bang. Seems like a good guy. But if another 30 seconds, how did he hack my phone, the president says, you know, and cue the Iron Patriot to, to go and take care of him. Doesn't and quite happen. Now, going over to Don Cheadle real quick. Yes. I feel this is where he cut his teeth and did a fantastic job in the role of Rhodey. And it was a vast improvement from what we saw in, you know, Iron Man, Man 2. 2. Uh-huh. And he, he came into his own, and I really, you know, enjoyed it. He embraced the character, made it fun, and made it himself. He had to, you know, get his feet wet in Iron Man 2, and even if it was uncomfortable in the reading of the statement that he had made in front of the, uh, say, Supreme Court, but in that courtroom where unfair, unfortunately he had to just read a part of where, you know, the technology that Tony Stark had was not entirely stable or whatever the correct wording was for that. But just to read an excerpt was, was unfair. He came he came into his own by the end of Iron Man 2, I think, though. Makes sense. He but... thought he was... I mean, he was literally the big guns who would take the high point and so on and seemed to know more than Tony did about not being in the kill box, you know, getting to higher ground versus staying down below. But then it was too late because all the droids that were coming. Droids are coming. The droids are coming. The Miss Chattanooga Christmas Pageant. There's your titillation tangent. And that actually features a random cameo, of course, by... Stan the Manly. Man, that was one of the... It's not in my favorite cameos of Stan, but it was pretty great just watching him get really excited over and the giving ladies. a big 10 to uh, on his signboard to, the one, to the, at least one of the bikini-clad contestants. And now how about Gary the Tony Stark lookalike? Tony Stark is in my van. Tony Stark is in my van. I thought that was, that was a fun scene overall. Bam! And oh, who, wait. That's arm tattoo. It was a Spanish Scott Baio? I love that line. <laughs> the Marvel movies are known for their humor, and Iron Man is where it's the most, where it makes sense, you know? Yeah. Now, and, and also that I had just written about Gary, the TV tech, with the Scott Baio tattoo, Tony Stark modeling his, his whole look, his hair, his face, you know, but he said he, 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 he got it from a doll he made. Not just a picture. What kind of doll do you think that was? What do you think the material was made out of? I think hair. Uh, in part, yeah. I'm like, okay. Not his hair. No, but just, you know, from a doll he made. So he's got Gary. You know, there's some insight into Gary a little bit here. I think it stops there, but that's okay because Tony needs Gary. You know, change the frequency so he can lock in and target on what he's got to do and so on. And uh, we go from there. But, you know, a little fanboy thing going on. That's that's cool. That'd be like if I met Star-Lord. Oh, boy. Imagine that, Eddie. Hey, Star-Lord. Oh, my stars and garters. I can't believe it. Look, I have the tattoo and everything. Let me get the helmet and my blasters. <laughs> my blasters. Anyway. Wow. Wait, wow. Wow. All right, now, where's the Mandarin? Killian finds Pepper and Maya. And maybe a double cross because Maya is working for Killian. Now, Eddie, overall, would you say, you know, that was a twist? Yeah, decent twist. <sighs> yeah, you know, because it was, a, well, it was a setup. 
because before it's Eminem's front at the time. <laughs> it's a put on at the time. Put on, put on at the time of the Malibu, California house being demolished. Maya is in the premises, and we don't suspect anything bad. Well, Tony does because he thinks there's a twelve twelve year old in the car waiting from that one night, but she becomes part of what you think is on, on the same side, and it turns out not to be the case later. Cue to Iron Patriot, who then becomes subdued, and next take, we're in Miami. Welcome to Miami. Thank you, Will Smith. Will Smith, thank you. And we sample um, another song. Mandarin Headquarters, Miami, Florida, and Trevor, the actor. He's here, but he's not here. He's here, but he's not here. It's complicated. And this leads up to the scene where also where they're confronted, you know, the Mandarin is confronted by not just Iron Man, but also War Machine. Yes. I would understand why some people would dislike this interpretation of the character because he's very buffoonish. Yes. It's it's like you belittling know, and you're like, well, wait a minute. He was, it was a badass. He was a bad guy. He was a villain. You it know? was acting. It's all smoke green screen and yeah. I think that is where I understand why the people feel they do about it. But I, again, it's, I go to the Marvel movies partially for the comedic aspects of it. And I feel Trevor, he did a good job with the comedy. He did a great job, you know, for, for Ben Kingsley to, to have that range from what we most know him from the early eighties in Gandhi to now coming to playing this role. Yeah. He's covered a good gamut scope of, of roles in his uh, in his career. Would you say that we could see that character return to the Marvel Universe? Why not? Would you want to see the... Like, do you think you would hear an audible groan from the audience of he shows up, uh, not this guy. <laughs> yes, you could. Because you know what he was like in this movie and are pre-anticipating more of the same. And whether that happens or not, remains to be seen. First of all, of course, if the character is going to be perpetuated into another film uh, appearance. If I'm correct, was he involved in the Marvel 10th anniversary photo shoot recently? I did not look closely at that figure. There are a lot of people in that picture. Because they should really, what they should do is like in some magazines, time or otherwise, have, of course, the picture. And then on the inside, have a, a sort of a drawing where it's a white background with black lined people. And they have all numbers the in numbers. their heads. Paint by numbers. All, no, you won't be able to tell who they are. And then all the numbers are inside their heads, each individual. And then you have the the, uh, the key to find, okay, 10. All the numbers are inside our heads, Eddie. Oh, that's right. If they're not, that's the brain damage or something. Deep no. thinking of this comment. Uh, okay. And lurch again, so. Uh. So where are we now? Tony zip-tied to the bed. That sounds about right. Oh, that sounds kinky. And we get to, <laughs> and we get to uh, a, a thank you of sorts from Killian telling Tony that uh, you gave me the best gift that anyone's ever given me. The gift of love. Desperation. <laughs> and and the subtle, maybe not so subtle reference to him saying, ever since that big dude with the hammer fell out of the sky. Again, I love the elements of the, you know, the wink and the nod to the audience of, you know who just referenced, right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, you know, that guy with the hammer. You Odin's know, son. Mario and Donkey Kong. He does have a hammer. And a, and a stash. <laughs> and the armor returns. And Tony's line, of course, because he only gets one hand part and another foot. Where's the rest? Locked up in the shed of, of Harley in Rose Hill, Tennessee. And wouldn't you know that one of the 
the guys that are watching Tony as he's, or guarding Tony as he's zip tied to the bed. Tony says, how many miles from Rose Hill to, to Miami? Oh, about 850 miles. Like he's so happy to tell him that piece of knowledge. He just knows off the top of his head. I'm good like that. It's common knowledge. Common knowledge. Common is a rapper, isn't he? He is. Wow. I should want to edit that out because I know that. But anyway, that's like Penny. How do I, why do I know that? Sorry. Big bang. Honestly, I hate working here. They are so weird. Is the other flunky. I love and he, that. And he leaves, you know. I, you know what's cool too is, and he does look it when he's said it, but, but Tony in, you know, verbally slapping the man around saying, okay, Ringo, you know, do this or whatever he, he tells him to do. Now, do you think that was one of Robert Downey's improvs? Could, could very well have been. Because I don't see that being written in the script of, oh, we'll call him Ringo Starr. Ha ha ha. I think that yeah. was his observation and he just threw that in there. You know what? It was probably an observation because of the accent that Slattery, Slattery had, Trevor Yeah, Slattery. but he also does look like Ringo. And combined with a semi-appearance. A semi but when you put the two together, hey, it's Ringo. Yeah. Hello, where, governor. Where did come from? No, 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 no. I don't, no more. I'm going to stop doing British accents. Did you start? Yeah, I did. I said, hello, governor. Oh, fine. You were better when you did all your audibly exquisite Liverpool. Liverpool. I think. That was uh, you. Okay. that uh, You started that on me, so. Cut to the vice president, who's being contacted by Iron Man, Tony, and, and Rhodey, who apparently, we find out, is not as cracked up, honest, on the, on the level as he appears to be, because at a Christmas celebration, he goes over to his granddaughter, who we see is, well, not it's not what you call an amputee, because, you know, she was just born without the bottom part of one leg. He's going to go along with the extremist project, so there we go. And you have a little bit of music undertone that kind of cues you into, like, hey, wait, this isn't all on the up and up. And Air Force One being compromised and, and, oh, and good having movie. an explosion. Air Force One, get off my plane. Right. Oh, Harrison Ford, plane. thank you. Okay, whatever. Plane. Wow. So how many in the air? I don't know. Thirteen. I'm Harrison Ford. How many can I carry? Jarvis says four. I thought you were quoting Harrison Ford. Planes. No, we're going to do Barrel of Monkeys now. Barrel of Monkeys scenario, it works. There was one part after the movie and some extra info, info scene, so on, doing the whole creation of the save of all these people, which is something that really hadn't been done in this fashion before, and they were able to pull it off. But then the surprise coming after everyone is saved, not the surprise there, of course, but then Iron Man flying across the road, the highway, the bridge, and getting hit by a tractor trailer, and then finding out that all the pieces had fell apart. He was not in the suit to begin with. He had been remotely controlling, I guess it was a, as a, a Mark 42 suit. And again, it's interesting that, you know, this isn't the first time, or this isn't the last time we're going to see this. He does this in Spider-Man Homecoming with the, you know, talking to Peter, chastising him. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And You've again, a lot of going back to, I really need to catch that again. That, man, that is a movie, you know, one of my coworkers was watching it recently and he absolutely adored it. And, you know, me and him were talking about it. He's pointing out all the different little details about that movie of how much he loved it. Yeah. So that's a movie I'm beyond excited to revisit in the coming months. Well, in the coming, we'll have to just one at a time get get to that point. But, oh yeah. Uh, but now we're we're gonna have the final showdown, I, I believe, and as Jarvis calls it, the house party protocol. The question here is, he has the ar the armada, the army of of suits. Does he have kid in play? I don't know what he's got. Sit and spin, probably. You know, it's 
my my childhood thing. Can Maybe it's Slinky. House Party. Slinky. House Party, the movie. Oh, that. Okay. Oh God, and I forgot the guy with the big do. <laughs> that that was that was the thing. And it was a don't. It was a don't, you know, whatever. And the wardrobe, too. How many suits? Anybody count those up? I was told. FX was showing this over the past weekend. They actually showed it after you watched it. It was ridiculous. And the next day also. It was unreal. Just very coincidental. But how many suits? FX said 41. Now you know how many suits there were in Iron Man 3. That's 40 more than one. Uh, Yeah, very good. A for effort, okay. <laughs> and then we have, of course, the president in the Iron Patriot suit for a little bit there. And Tony is in a T-shirt that says AIM. Twist, maybe a little bit, a little dig. Twist in the night away. A little jab, a little thorn in the side. Every rose has its thorn. Ooh, poison. This summer, Bethelwood Center for the Arts. <laughs> <laughs> Great commercial. The nothing but a good time tour. With special guest Cheap Trick. And Pop Evil. Go figure. Can they make a character like that? Like the pop characters? Maybe. <sighs> Possibly. I don't know. Potentially. But of course, you know, the character of Rhodey gets some good lines in here too throughout his character appearance in more than just one film. But, you know, he says, that was good going, Mr. President, but I'm going to need that suit back. And eventually that does happen, although he can't control like he wants to the suits because Tony says, you know, they're only coded to me, not to him. So he has to make do otherwise. He has some badass scene, too, where Killian gets him out of the Iron Patriot armor by, you know, increasing the heat, by putting his hand, who he's, of course, infused Aldrich Killian with the extremis and forcing the mechanism to open the Iron Patriot suit. And he comes out swinging and, you know, does what he can. It doesn't prove to be fruitful or Or vegetableful, but uh, yeah, or mineral for that matter. Wow. It's a science class already. Wow. And another cool thing was having one of the suits have a, uh, I want to say a thruster, in the back part of the of the suit. Not just like a chest piece, that uh, a chest beam, but out of the back itself. So it's like, oh, cool. It's coming out of there too. Sure, why not? And and the, the shrugging of the shoulder sort of of Tony when Mark 42 comes inbound to hopefully go on to Tony and crashes, falls into a, a zillion pieces. And he just says, whatever. In a, in a final battle, uh, we think, with, with Killian. And that fight with Killian goes on for a while. And, you know, again, yeah. as I mentioned, you know, we're watching the show, the movie in the background, and the fight has been going on for a while. Oh, Lordy, has it been going on for a while. It's like a Dragon Ball Z fight. It just never ends. Is that it's... right? Okay. And then and then the sort of a surprise or a, uh, a heart sinker to me was when Pepper falls into, you know... And man, she was the MVP of this ending. Yeah, yeah. Who's the hot mess now? Mm -hmm. See, that was one of those things, I guarantee you, it was, like, this is going to be the last Iron Man movie, which it still might be. We don't know, because Iron Man 4 could still happen, but when we get to that, we'll get to that at the end. Yeah. But... And not before. With, you know, the scene with her, I feel like it was a checklist of... The directors and the you know the team were like, "What's something cool we want to see in this movie? What are some things we you know we haven't seen?" Wait a minute, Gwyneth Pe- Paltrow in a sport bra. Pepper Pepper could do some stuff with the Iron Man costume. Let's have her do that. Let's have her you know shooting some. Sh- and she does. <laughs> so is that poopy alert again? Okay, it is. Holy, 
Holy shnikes. Shmigigis even. Okay. But a very cool thing, of course, was getting but drivers being told, do me a favor and blow Mark 42 after Tony commands the suit go on to Killian. And you think that's the end yeah, of and he, him. And he still comes back because of all of this stuff with the extremists. Yeah. And I am the Mandarin. That was where we were introduced to that point. And if you've seen the All Hail to the King, that is not the case. No. So it's a very interesting thing that, you know, we see him do all this at the end, you know, reveal the big reveal, but also be like this indestructible machine. And I feel doing that makes him this dud of a character because he was. When you look at him, he looks like, you know who he looks like a Milk lot to dud. me? What? He looks a lot like Val Kilmer for some reason to me. All right. I'll go with you on that. Yep. A dorky Val Kilmer. And then he becomes kind of suave at the end or in the middle of the movie, you know, when he gets introduced. And I feel it's, like I said, an unstoppable machine. And this is... Like the Terminator. Yeah. But this is like a trend with these movies. What happens to him next? He he comes back again. I mean, Pepper whacks him with a steel beam. And he's, when he yells, I am the Mandarin. Does he die? No, right? He's 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 still not. No, I don't I don't believe so. So he might be the one exception, but it's such an anticlimactic ending for his character in this movie, you know? That is how they end him though. I think I don't I don't have anything else that I recall or had, you know, noted down because the next thing is of course Tony saying, "I got nothing." And who's the hot mess now? Pepper says, and then it becomes the clean slate protocol from Jarvis, where all the suits get blown up. Like fireworks in the sky. Fireworks are flying around in midair because they've taken out the other people that have been infused or infected, however you want to call it, with the extremist virus. And screw it, it's Christmas. And you have all that uh, going on. You have also the procedure or procedures that are needed to bring Pepper to a normal state of being. And while that's going on, Tony gets his shrapnel removed. Yeah. And he becomes a new man. And again, it's while all this is going on, it's making me believe, wait a minute, are they getting rid of the Tony Stark character? Are they getting rid of the Iron Man character? I don't know. I think they're just improving on it. I never thought of it being, you know, that way. And of course, you, you get back to Happy, who finally wakes up and doesn't have as much uh, tubes attached to him. But he's, he's pretty banged up, bruised, and so on. And he wakes up, and the, and the kid, Harley walks into the the workshop which has all been teched up and so on and iron man uh, tony drives to his former home site and throws the arc reactor throws the uh, most recent i guess arc reactor into the ocean but keeps the little mini phillips screwdriver because he can just build something it's true as the kid says you're a mechanic why don't you just build something and that's how we end this movie right mostly uh iron man does the um what I thought was interesting about the ending, and this ties back to another movie I think, or reminded me of, is that during the ending credits for Iron Man 3, you've got pictures of all the Iron Man movies leading up to this one and including this one. Scenes from the other ones. And that's something I don't think you usually do see. But what it reminded me of was, I think when you got, when you had Spider-Man 3, the last Tobey Maguire one, that in the opening credits had scenes of our story thus far in the first two leading up to where we are with, you know, Spider-Man 3. And this is done at the end of the movie. I thought that was pretty uh, pretty interesting. And also a, a special thanks that came in to, during the credits, Cross, and I forgot the rest of the names, but Bob Layton and John Byrne got special thanks in there. 
and they're just they're artists essentially and writers and and writers so maybe with the writing component they had something so i said oh i wonder what you know how much they contributed that they got the the special thanks unless they were given some pointers and that kind of and that kind of thing now we also get the post credit scene yes. of rdj just sitting there talking about you know all his problems recounting everything and then all of a sudden it's revealed that he's been talking to his psychiatrist in the form of Robert Bruce Banner who has dozed off dropped his glasses and uh, Tony says have you heard anything I've said where did it leave off of and uh, he was most of myself watching this movie <laughs> oh I'm not that kind of doctor now let's wrap this up before we go let's give our takes on this movie I'll go first so, as I said at the beginning of this episode, I really like this movie on the initial viewing. I have not seen this movie since, I want to say, 2013, 2014. This was the first time I've seen this movie in years. Now, that being said, if you've ever seen me on Facebook, I give my rankings of the movies from time to time. And I would always rank this usually in the middle, maybe like a little peeking towards the top. That kind of changed as of this viewing, huh. which, out of all the movies, this one felt like a chore. I don't know why. There was just elements where it was very slow-paced. The, the jokes were sharp. Every single joke hit and landed, which is great. That's what I loved about it. However, I feel the choices of villain didn't work that well. I feel Killian didn't really do much for me as a villain. It was just a businessman, much like... This, this was essentially the equivalent of taking Justin Hammer and making him the main villain when, in the previous film, it was Whiplash. He was the main villain. So it kind of, like, it It just didn't work, in my opinion. You had two levels of villain and two, you know, two different approaches. Yeah, the wrong level of villain was the villain, in my, you know, in my belief of this. And... Tony created his own demons and didn't even know it. This is what happened in this movie. Like he said in the beginning. Yeah. We create our own demons. And he said he didn't even know it. So I would say overall for me, this movie I actually liked less than The Incredible Hulk. And that's Yoza. a very, very, very hard thing to do. So... But you did it by gum. I'll get to my rankings after you give your take on this movie, Eddie. You did it! As Drax told Starlord when he thought he destroyed the Accuser, you did it! So, Eddie, what did you think of this movie overall? Iron Man 3. I'm just looking at everything that has happened thus far and, and see where where this falls. I'm, I'm torn between four and four and a half out of five. And four was my lowest, and that was four. The Incredible Hulk. Okay. So, screw it. Four and a quarter. Because I can do that. I'm doing two and a quarter. <laughs> you? You? you yeah. Need to, you need to edit. <laughs> Before I get to my ranking overall, what is the? what do you think of this movie? Why do you like it? I think it had a lot of stuff going for it. I know you said a chore, and I'm thinking, well, what? You really had to work that hard to, to try and follow along? But in some cases, yes. Some cases, no. This is part of why we rewatch and reevaluate and reconsider. And damn it, you better reevaluate that score. Holy crap on a cracker. I'm still, I'm still in disbelief because like this was actually, believe it or not, one of the movies I was excited to watch the most. <laughs> so here we are. Well, you set yourself up then, maybe. I don't know. 
the funniest thing is the like I said, the initial viewing. I I want to say it's the fresh movie reaction, because when I saw this movie for the first time, I saw it with friends in the theater. We were all excited to go see this. I was hyped for. It. I even had. I even got the Iron Man three popcorn pail. Okay, I have that, and it's got like it's a pail. And Still, it's got, yeah. And you it's, didn't bring it to this podcast. Pl- I forgot it. It's the plastic one, and it's got all the different suits on it and everything in his little room. Yada yada yada. I gotta see it. I even have the Iron Man three three D glasses. All right, I want. The, I gotta see this popcorn pail. So yeah, overall. Let's let's get into the ranking. Number seven, Iron Man three. Number six, The Incredible Hulk. Number five, Captain America: The First Avenger. Number four, Iron Man two. Number three, The Avengers. Number two, Thor. And number one, Iron Man. Have you been writing my rankings down? No. Now, Eddie, yourself. You're right, plenty. I, I'm lucky I have my own setup here. What's your number seven? Uh, I it's the lowest ranked is the Incredible Hulk, with a four out of five. Number six. Then we're gonna go with Iron Man three. Five. It's Iron Man two. Number four. That's a tie between Thor and Captain America: The First Avenger. And number three is whichever one. Is not is not number four. Number two. And two and number one are tied, and that's the Avengers and Iron Man. And now, like I said, it bummed me out, though, because I, I guess I set myself up for this. But here's the thing about that. Another movie a lot of people gave a lot of flack for that wasn't, like, they went on that it wasn't that great. But I saw it twice in theaters, and I loved the hell out of it. I've watched bits and pieces of it on home video. Love the heck out of it. Avengers Age of Ultron. We'll get there. And I'm actually excited to watch that one because I really enjoyed that. So here we are. Rocky like a hurricane. Oh, we've got 1984 again. Thank you, Scorpions. We've got three more before we get to Avengers Age of Ultron. You know what? I'll give you a partial on the the low rank of Iron Man 3. And that's only really because of the disappointing factor of the Mandarin character. Not for me. That still is not the disappointing thing. It's a contributing thing to it. Come on. Not for, not for me, believe it or not, because I, I liked his version of the Mandarin. Plus also, like, again, because I like it because I can do a Mandarin impression. And on that note. So now, before we go, Eddie, what is next week's episode? Next week is Thor the Dark World. Oh, that used to always be at the bottom of my rankings. Let's see where it goes. Wow. Can't get much lower than two and a quarter. Well, let's see if it can actually do the limbo. But... How low can you go? Eddie, before we go, let's tell people how they can get a hold of us on social media. Facebook.com slash... The Marvelists. You can find us on the Twitter at... The Marvelists. You can find myself at Peter Melnick and yourself... At EWilson959. You can also give us a follow ski on the Instagram at... The Marvelists. And finally, you can drop us an email... Give us some, you know, constructive criticism, compliments, strongly worded letters, questions, whatever. The Marvelous at gmail.com. And also, you can find us on iTunes. Rate, review, and subscribe. Share this show on social media. Let people know that you're liking this show. Share it on the Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, maybe? No. But you can also tell them to share it all over, wherever. 
even Tumblr, I don't care. And also, listen to us on Stitcher Radio, available for all iOS and Android devices. And we're also on other podcasting apps that you can find, as well as SoundHound. SoundHound? SoundCloud? SoundHound. Or SoundCloud. Yes. We're on SoundCloud. There we go. That's where I've been connecting. We have been. Somehow. We connect. We're connected. So now, for Peter Melnick, I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior. Man, that was a good one. Not too shabby for an Iron Man 3, ranking not included. True. This is not a, this is not a post-credit scene in the traditional sense. Why should we be traditional? I recently remembered the book I had gotten at one of those big box stores. Obsessed with Marvel. 2,500 questions. You test your knowledge of the Marvel Universe. It's a little dated now. It's from 2008. Yes. I am upset or sort of ashamed to say, but still will, that my accuracy on these questions is less than 50%. So I, I get them at about 44% right of these questions. Essentially, you have a choice of four answers, each of the questions. You have a small electronic box that's uh, somewhat attached to the book. You hit a button that brings up the question number in digital form. So here we go. This is question number 2240. And you can play along if you like. Uh, it comes under the character, the uh, category of cosmic characters, and I'm not sure how much that'll help. Question 2240 says, Who rules the Eternals in the Kirby and Gaiman limited series? Your choices are Valkin, Thana, Zoras, or Icarus. Who rules the Eternals in the Kirby and Gaiman limited series? Valkin, Thana, Zuras, or Icarus? I'm going to go with the third choice. You're going to go with Zuras. And just for the sake of consistency, I will do that also. So the third button to hit is C. We'll see what that tells us. That is correct. Hey. Nice going. Thank you. And now it will go to the next question. And keep going. I've had this book for I don't know how long. And so far, the battery hasn't run out. <laughs> so, because then it's game over, dude. You're going to start all over with the questions. Game over, indeed. But hopefully with the next the next go-around, I'll remember more than 44% of the questions. Possibly. To be continued. <laughs>